You're listening to the Glass City Church Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Glass City Church Podcast. This is intern Justin Shirley here with your friendly neighborhood pastor, Jeff Lavalette. Hey, hey. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm tired, buddy. So am I. Yeah. It's I don't know been... what happened. Like, I just, after church yesterday, I just pretty much died. Did you? Yeah. You didn't literally die. No. Well, no. Well, you could be revived. Okay. But I, that's not what happened. I just, they I went home and, and, and just you felt that, very. Right? But you know what? Today is a good day because we got some rain uh, this this evening. We did. And my lawn needs it. And I'm 40, so that matters to me right now. And. Wow. Yeah, sorry. What a time to be alive. It, It is indeed. Perfect. Well. It felt like I got hit with a brick when I uh, got off of work today. I just was hit, just super tired. Well, so. didn't you say you fell asleep last night before you sent the questions? Like, I did. You must have been. You must have been sleepy. I was tired. Yeah, I was definitely tired. That's so. cool. Uh, anyways, well, Jeff, this is uh, Monday. We're recording this, and you know what that means. You know what that means? Oh my gosh, we're gonna keep doing this, aren't we? We are. Okay. Do you know what it means? Yeah, I do. You want to... Yesterday was Sunday. It, yep, that's yeah. exactly what it means. Oh my goodness. And you preached a sermon yesterday. As I do most Sundays, yes. Let's get into it. Okay. Perfect. Uh, give us context. Where are we at? What'd you preach on? So we're in John 7, 1 through 24 yesterday. Uh, so six, chapter 6 was essentially all about, um, it starts off with Jesus doing the you know the bread and the fish miracle thing, right? And then they go across the sea and he walks on water to you know rescue the disciples who are uh who he sent into the storm uh knowing that the storm was coming and then people go across the sea uh, about eight miles or so um and then he says eat my flesh drink my blood and he says you can't come to me unless the father draws you and if he draws you you're going to come to me and we talked about all of that and how some of that um you know gets played out in in the reformed theology um but also um you know I don't love the Reformed camp in a lot of regards because they're not super charitable and loving and, and all of that, and we already got into that. And so after all that's said and done, um, he people 20,000 people walk away from him, essentially. Yeah. Because what he, they say, this is a hard saying, who can, under, who, who can hear it, who can listen to it? Um, the word hard there not meaning it's hard to understand, but meaning it's, it, it's hard to accept. It's hard to yeah. get, you know, to, to be okay to with. To agree with, yeah. And so, and then he says to his disciples, uh, so you leaving too? And they said, How, where are we going to go? Yeah. You have the words of eternal life. We know that you're the Lord, you know, and all that. And so then after that, um, he, he then is uh, hanging out with his brothers, Yep. You know, Jesus, uh, contrary to some some different, uh, you know, uh, religious traditions, uh, Mary did have other kids. Yeah. And uh, so these were Jesus' half-brothers. Uh, among them was James, who wrote the book of James and was the pastor of the... Church in Jerusalem, The, the Jerusalem church yeah. there. And then he gets killed, and then Jesus' other brother, Simon, comes in and takes up the pastorate there. Yeah. Uh, so that's another brother who was there. Um, and then also Jude, who wrote the book of Jude... Uh, he's, you know, he's there as well. These are all Jesus' half-brothers. Yeah. What's crazy is that um, none of them believed in Jesus as of chapter 7. Yeah. And yet I just listed the things that they did and many more things that they did as as church leaders eventually. Yeah. Um, which that in itself is a sermon because, oh my goodness, like how many of us were, were total and complete just goofballs? And then, and then God, uh, I remember uh, years ago I took a, a group of guys from Glass City down to... 
Orlando for a uh, for an X twenty nine conference, and uh, we met up with my college ministry, the college director, um, Jim Jim Porman actually is his name, and he always said, "Yeah, Porman, because I'm in ministry." Ha ha. Uh, and uh, we we all went out to dinner one night, and uh, and one of the guys that I was with uh, said, "So uh, Jim, when back when Jeff was in college, did you picture him pastoring a church and discipling a bunch of guys and taking them <laughs> down?" And he's like, "Oh my gosh, that kid was such an idiot." And and I and I. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, and and I've always looked up to Jim, and uh, he's a he's a great guy, and um, but but even just thinking about like these at least three, we don't have a list of all of them, but we know that at least three, you know, three of his his brothers all became leaders in the church. Yeah, and and yet uh, in in this uh, in John seven they were. Uh, they did not believe. In fact, they had very, very false motives for for wanting anything to do with Jesus. Yeah. So, anyways, they all say, "Hey, you got you got to go up to the Feast of Booth that's going on right now up in Judea, because you need to do some miracles and kind of get your following back." You know, he yeah. just dropped twenty thousand. I said yesterday, you know, if you're on Instagram and you got twenty thousand followers and then you go down to twelve. Um, you're gonna you're failing They're essentially. They're trying to be like business consultants. Too. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna have your uh, your um, your nonprofit uh, or well, you're not you're not going to have the the kind of the kind of clout that the world wants you to have. Yeah, and so um, they're all like, hey, you know, they believed in his miracles, but they didn't believe in his deity. Um, yeah, which again, growing up with Jesus, who never got in trouble, he probably was annoying at that point. You know, it's like it's yeah. like the the older brother who who because he was the older brother because he was you know first born to Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyways, all of that's going on, and then uh, and then we get into the Feast of Booths. And um, Jesus is preaching there, and then the Jews are just getting all cranky about him uh, healing on the Sabbath and all this other stuff. And um, you know, they 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 love the law and they try to keep the law as their means of righteousness. Yeah. And then Jesus says in one of the verses, "He's like, you don't keep the law." And then they get crabby about that. And so yeah, that's kind of what that's the that's the text that we were covering uh, yesterday. Um, it was kind of a big big text, but there was a lot of narration going on there. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, yeah, that's where we're at in the gospel of John right now. Perfect. Now, one question that I, when I first read the book of John, Mm -hmm. that kind of side, when, when doubt was, talked about last podcast, doubt and how it's a real thing and how everyone, at least at some point will struggle with that, at at least at one time. At one point during every day or (laughs) at some point in time. Yeah. No, I'm saying Um, like that's, that happens a lot. Well, that's also true. Yeah. Um, but going kind of back to that podcast, the idea of is Jesus who he says he is? Um, and so this actually, I remember growing up and this was a question that I had that really kind of wrecked me for a couple weeks. Was Jesus lying? And it's going to sound silly. Was Jesus lying when he said he wasn't coming to the feast? Because the implication there is if Jesus was lying, he said that he wasn't going to go to the feast. Mm-hmm. Comes to the feast, right? If he says that he, that's, I mean, that's not telling so the he, truth, right? 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 Um, and if what are the implications of that? That Jesus committed a sin, and if he committed a sin, then he is not perfect, okay? And that he wasn't a perfect sacrifice for us, and so God can't be trusted because those were serious questions that that rolled around in my head uh, when I was a nineteen year old. And wanted to to get your take. Was Jesus lying when he said he wasn't coming to the feast? So a couple of things. Uh, John 7, uh, starting in verse 8, he says, You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast. Now, there, after not, uh, there's a there's a little little note, you know, like a little, like, 
letter there. Yeah. Um, because in in some some of the manuscripts or, or some of the translations, it's not yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I think even if the yet's not there, um, the deeper meaning behind this is is he's not going to the same feast that they are. Mm. They're going to the feast of let's let's make much of ourselves. Absolutely. He's going to the feast of I'm going to lay my life down. And so there's there's a there's a fundamental difference in even the I think I said yesterday I don't have my notes in front of me but it was it was he was going in a different way and he was going for a different purpose um, and so no he obviously wasn't lying because um, he 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 never never sinned absolutely and so um, really I think the heart of what Jesus is saying here is we're going to two different parties man like yeah. it's 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 just like you know um, I'm trying to think of a good a good way to 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 draw uh, an analogy here. But you know how? Um, well, it's like you know when you, when when you're going. Let's say you're going to church. Yeah. And some people go to church to serve, and some people go to church to consume. And and really, the the heart behind that is there's two different two different kind of vibes behind that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm just saying that that in, in what Jesus said, because we can like you and I as Christians can take for granted the fact that he's being honest. Yeah. And so that leads us to look in a little bit deeper into what he's saying and why he's saying it and how he's saying it. Mm-hmm. And what he's telling them is, is, and he didn't go with them. Um, and he didn't even, he, he, they, they left and then he went privately. They went publicly. It says, it says in, um, do, do, do verse 10 it says, then he, uh, his brothers had gone up to the feast. Then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Um, which is crazy to me because later on we find out he went and he went to the temple and then he got up on stage and started teaching. Yeah, which is a very uh, <laughs> like there's this there's this plot to kill him that's very well known and yep. and yet he's like okay I'm gonna go to the place where most people are paying the most attention and I'm gonna stand in the place where everyone's looking and I'm gonna teach and I'm gonna tell them that they don't they don't keep the law. Yeah. Which is which is like you know the it's the bold. big it's like calling an Ohio State fan a Michigan fan it's like it's actually way worse than that, but it but it's very severe in that it attacks the central um, reason for being for these people. It's like yeah. we 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 live to keep the law and that's how we feel self righteous. And so, anyways, all that to say, no, he wasn't lying uh, because Jesus doesn't lie. And uh, I think I think what that does, and I, the reason I think John wrote it that way, and I could be completely wrong, but this is just my opinion, is he wrote it that way to draw our attention to, you know, I've said in, in past sermons that whenever we see something that seems really fishy in John's gospel, that's a that's kind of a, an Easter egg, yeah. To like, oh, here's here's something, let here's a sign to like kind of drill down a little deeper, and so that's why I, I love the the peculiarity of what how John wrote that because that does invite us to to look a little bit closer at what he's saying yeah and I really appreciated your uh your clarifying that yesterday even um and so I know that was a that was a question that was definitely on the brain um in a in a a season of doubt and so just wanted to appreciate your uh, clarification on that. Yeah, um, buddy. No, this was this was a super fun text to to excavate. Uh, had a yeah. lot. Of, I spent a lot of. Uh, my wife can tell you I was here late nights, quite a few of the nights last week, just yeah. because it, I. It's so much fun. Like it's it's like it's you know it's it's like for a car guy to like take apart an engine. Yeah. You know, except this is like life giving. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of value there. Absolutely. So so as Jesus is uh, going. So Jesus has now arrived at the feast um, and talks about people being afraid to speak about him openly. Um, the cause, as, as we found out, was fear of man. They, sure. They 
or just afraid of what, what's going to happen if we talk to him. And obviously they're talking amongst themselves. Uh, they're saying, some are saying that he's a, he's a good man. And some are like, no, he's leading the people astray. Right. And kind of the, you got some, I'm sure there's in-betweeners that are in there and they're like, well, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, are you saying they're frenemies? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Okay. Maybe frenemies. I didn't mean to like... Maybe you know, the enemy of my friend I didn't mean to go Mean Girls on you there, but yeah. My friend. Right, right. That didn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Um, Dwight Schrute. <laughs> yes. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so fear of man. It's a sin, right? Um, how can the fear of man creep into our own lives, much like these people, uh, and how can we stand on guard against it? So maybe if you wanted to clarify the fear of man... So and then yeah. Get into those, so fear those of man aspects. is is caring caring more about God, uh, the opinions of others than the opinion of God. You know, it's like it's like worrying more about what others think of you than what God thinks of you. Um, it's an it's an enemy of grace because um, it, it's us trying to earn our approval um, instead of re- living out of the approval God's already gave, given us. And it comes from having a priority different than God's priorities um, because yeah. because obviously Jesus wasn't worried about keeping people happy. He was trying to keep people holy, and he was trying. You know, he he came to to seek and save the lost. Yeah. And so, um, and and we want to walk in those same ways. Uh, obviously, not not as sinless and and as a savior, but more just you know signposts pointing. Um, and so, fear of man is yeah. It's anytime anytime that okay. Let me. I'm thinking about this on the fly here, so give me give me some grace here. But I think fear of man is any time that someone else's opinion prevents us from being obedient and faithful to what God has called us to. Yeah. I think that's that's a really for me that's a really intensely like practical and helpful way to think about it. Yeah. It's like we know what God's called us to, we know what God has done, we know what God has has given us to testify about. And so anytime that someone else's opinion causes us not to be obedient and faithful to those things, that's fear of man. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, I just I worry that someone's gonna think my WWJD bracelets geeky like it goes much much deeper than that yeah uh, it, it's a heart posture uh, and we either have a fear of God and fear of God not meaning like we walk around trembling all day that God may turn us into pillars of salt or something like that it's 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 a healthy respect for and and, and um, allegiance to somebody who um, is is much greater than us and and who has done so much for us that uh, we can't help but be consumed with with uh, affection and a desire to live for him that's that's more it's not you know a lot of times we'll, we'll go jonathan edwards sinners in the hands of an angry god and uh <laughs> i remember the first time i studied that in college and i was like oh my gosh this guy is such a jerk and then like, now i've got like several copies of it um because because it goes deeper than just like oh, oh dad's home um i was not a very nice kid growing up i had a lot of uh i had a lot of um rebellious uh aspects to my personality and i do remember my mom every time i'd hear the garage door open at like 5 30 uh you know uh, during weekdays be like row row like uh, it's about to hit it's about to it's about to go down here because my mom's gonna tell my dad all the junk that i've done today and uh <laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble so and a lot of times we project our our view of our earthly fathers on our heavenly father and that's a whole nother podcast but yeah um so yeah fear of god versus fear of man i mean you can only have one yeah. Now, for Christians, we a lot of times will kind of like, you know, kind of oscillate. You know, we'll get done reading our Bible in the morning and we'll be like, oh, man, God is so great. And I only want to live for him. And then we get presented with our very first opportunity not to do that. And yeah. a lot of us, you know, it's so again, that's another another sermon for another time. But anywho. Yeah. Well, it goes back to, I mean, even 
our time together, your and I personal time, like the, the Pete Scazzaro, um, uh, mostly healthy spirituality talks about having time in the word and in the morning and everything's great until about noon. And it's like, <laughs> you completely forgot what, you man, read. if you, if you make it till noon, you're better than me sometimes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, you completely forgot what you read and it's just like, you're right. Kind of back operating on your own devices. Right. Sure. Um, and so how, how can we stand on guard against that? Man, I, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to find a great answer to that question. Yeah. Because I've not figured it out yet. Like, I'll just be honest. Um, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 19. I'm 40 now. And I've been a pastor uh, in some way, shape, or form for almost 18, 18 years now. Uh, pastoring Glass City for 10. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, some of it's just Holy Spirit. Like, some of it has to, we just have to, um, because, again, you, you turn it into an equation, and all of a sudden now, you know, it's like A plus B equals C. And, like, there are some common sense aspects you know yeah. beginning your day with you know it's like getting your body ready for the day versus getting your soul ready for the day we talked about that before absolutely and um you know we'll stand and look in the mirror and try to make sure our hair is on point and you know whatever but like looking in the mirror of god's word and and, and seeing where our soul needs to be addressed um yeah. so i think that's important but again like like you said you know you make it till noon maybe and i, I don't even think i make it that long before i am now tempted to stop believing the gospel yeah. Like I need to impress somebody or I need to do so. I, I need to make sure I'll just, I mean, since we're being honest here, I mean, I'll go wash my car because I want it to look nice. Yeah. Like that's, that's so goofy. Like some, 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 I could come by and just run me over and that tire shine that I put on my tires doesn't really mean jack squat at that point. Yeah. Versus. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I you asked me that question and and i feel frustrated not with you but just with the fact that like it is always a struggle and it's never not going to be but it's worth it yeah absolutely um i try to listen to as as silly as this may sound i try to listen to music that reminds me about god's goodness yeah and that doesn't mean that you know it's michael w smith 24/7 you know or something like that um but even instrumental stuff even like thinking about things on a deeper level like you know you, I, I take you know i take a walk in the park or, you know, I go for a drive along River Road and I just like smell the, the air coming off of, of Maumee River. And some, up, up that far, it's not bad. You go downtown, it starts to get, you know, a little, maybe a little stanky. But, you know, you get out in like Real Waterville stanky. area and, and uh, just even thinking about things like that. Like if you think about them on a deeper level, um, a lot of times that redirects your mind uh, away from the temporal stuff of the world. Um, but again, man, that's not, it's, uh, if I was, if I, if I were to say I'm, I've, I've got a 300 average on that, I'd probably be lying. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's things you can do and then you just got to ask the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Absolutely. I mean, obviously you can, you can posture yourself. You can set time aside to, to refocus your mind. Like you can do all those things, but oftentimes, even in those times, like you can be distracted with the next thing that's happening, you know, like it feels like the world is constantly in tension for our attention really well yeah i I can get one text i got i was driving my wife to the airport the other day and i got one text message that just completely threw off my attitude yeah and then it just i mean it consumed me for a good half hour and then i was like you know what that's that's really dumb that you gave that that much power yeah and so yeah i mean it's it's you're you're never safe from those things like you never you can never turn off your you know turn off your uh spidey senses or you know you can never turn off your discernment or your you know like let's let's keep the main thing the main thing 
um, because the world and not, I'm not saying that people are evil when they send text messages or anything like that. But like, I think they are. Well, some of them may be. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pronounce judgment here. But like the fact of the matter is, like we cannot afford. Just like in war, you know, you read Ephesians six. Talk to me about war, Jeff. Oh my gosh, I've been reading uh, uh, Spurgeon on spiritual warfare. I've been reading wow. um, some other, you know, the handbook on spiritual warfare by Ed Murphy. Um, wow. And things like that, where it's like you are constantly in a war. Yeah. Um, the Invisible War, Chip Ingram, another book I've been listening to, um, because like there, there, there's so many things that if we think about ourselves, not not in a paranoid way, but just in a realistic way, that like there's an unseen realm that is constantly, um, you know, fighting for us to either be distracted or, or to lead us away. And so even in that regard, like thinking of yourself as a good soldier, like like Paul tells Timothy, I think it's in Second Timothy. Um, that we don't consume ourselves with civilian affairs that we that we care about, you know, uh, fighting the good fight and all that. You know, those, some of those cliches get get um, we get desensitized to them instead of actually taking them seriously. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it, find whatever works for you. You know, whether it's post its, you know, just that remind you. You put them in strategic places to remind you to to actually care about the things that God cares about and to. And to um, and to be thankful and, and all of those things. So I don't know if that's helpful or not because I I don't feel like I've mastered that yet. No, and I don't think we're ever going to fully master it. I think the the uh, very much getting in the ring, um, not getting continually punched in the face. Right. Keep um, your guard up, man. Yeah. I mean, the C.S. Lewis has a good quote, um, and I don't know if I can even find it. I, I'm going to butcher it, so forgive me. Um, but talked about very much linking the Christian's walk with war um and that any little bit of a losing of a uh, trailhead or a railway uh it little tiny things if they keep like like very much like a war you have front lines right you keep losing ground in the yeah. front line you're going to eventually lose the war death by a um, million paper cuts you know yeah absolutely yeah. and so you're eventually going to and, I, and i'm like i said butchering the quote um, but the idea is very much the same, very much like war. If you lose strategic outposts sure, and you lose enough of them throughout the course of the many battles that you have, you eventually will lose the war. Mm-hmm. And so the... Like well, said, yeah, but well, hold on, though, because the good news is, like, the war's already been won. Absolutely. And so it's an analogy, and analogies sure. at some point fall short. Well, he's writing this during World War II, probably, Absolutely. when, like, air raids are happening and Absolutely. the whole keep calm and carry on thing that was really popular, like, 10 years ago. Like, those were posters during World War II in in uh, in in London um, yeah. as people. Um, actually, as you said that, I thought of something. Um, in, in The Invisible War by Chip Ingram, uh, which I don't really know much about the guy, so I'm not, like, endorsing him as, like, you know, uh, he's great in all ways. But, like, something he talked about was his grandfather – or no, it was his dad, actually, because he's older than me – was in World War II, and he was in the in – the, uh, where was that? The uh, hmm, Polynesian? No, I, I can't remember where it was. There were these islands that had not yet been told that the war was over. Yeah. So, like, you know, the, the bomb drops, all that happens, and, and there's these islands where there's these soldiers that have been, like, dropped, you know, just for, like, to, to have, like, kind of reserves yep. uh, put in strategic places that didn't know that the war was over. Yep. And so these, these, these troops would go there um, to, to try to, like, round up anything that they had, and they'd start getting fired on. And like, what the heck? Like, we already signed the peace treaty. Like, everything's already... And, and, but these soldiers didn't know it. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, like, Christ's death on the cross, boom, victory. Absolutely. You know, resurrection from the dead, victory. But there's still these outposts. You know, there's still these, you know, Satan's still fighting. And, and so um, in, in what you said, like the war's already been won. 
Um, but also there's these battles that we still need to fight because there's still these like little skirmishes that are happening in, in spite of that. Yeah. It's that weird. I was just talking to a kid about this at work today. Like it's this tension of the already, but the not yet. Like it's this weird, like it's already been done. It's already been one for us, but then there's yeah. also this daily fight. Absolutely. This, this battle that still rages. Mm-hmm. It's this weird concept to it's grasp. It's frustrating, man. And it's super frustrating. Yeah. And we, and we've talked about that in multiple podcasts, but the idea still is the same, still reigns true. So Agree. Agreed. Well, here's another question for you. Is, is any correlation really between perfectionism and self-righteousness? Now, you mentioned two uh, types of pride specifically. Yeah. In the uh, in your sermon. And I don't know if you wanted to, to clarify and to touch on those two types of prides that you mentioned. Um, but really, the idea of, um, I think, perfectionism and self-righteousness plays a big deal in in the fear of man. Yeah. And that I mean, that all those things like root idols we talked about in like the first three podcasts. Sure. Uh, all kind of mesh together. And so I just wanted to to get your thoughts on any correlation between those. So when you say perfectionism, are you talking about like Charles Wesley perfectionism, like how we're eventually not going to sin anymore? Um, I think it's really, it's the idea that we need to be perfect um, okay. in order for God to love us or that we will, because we are growing in our, uh, because we're growing as Christians. So we think like sanctification, progressive, that whole thing. Yeah, so in, okay. pro- in progressive sanctification... I'm just trying to clarify so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I give you a good answer. So in, in progressive sanctification, that w- oftentimes what happens is we can feel like we need to be such so much farther than we are yeah. in, our, in our growth with the Lord. And so in doing that, we put this immeasurable weight yeah. on ourselves. Um, if we, we've already been already trusted in Christ, we've already been forgiven, we put this immeasurable weight that oh, I got angry in traffic today or I, you know, and it just, it crushes us um, because we feel like we need to be perfect. Tracking with me? I, I do. So, so what, can you restate the question? Just, Absolutely. Yeah. Any correlation, is there any correlation between perfectionism and self-righteousness? Uh, and also if you wanted to touch on these two types of pride that we just discussed as well. Well, so there's there's a lot there. Um, Absolutely, and you can kind of buckshot it and see what you hit. Okay, so I mean, I think of so so there's and and this is this is hard for me too because like we we as Christians need to live in tension. Absolutely, like we have to be okay with tension because because you know for now we see it in a mirror darkly, uh, but then face to face, you know, and so um, all that to say, like yes, it is it is self defeating to feel like we're going to be perfect. Yeah. That being said, I mean, Hebrews uh, 5, uh, let me see, where's my English standard? Uh, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Like that's, he's he's like dropping a bomb on them. He's like, yeah. man, you guys have been walking long enough that you really should be getting this by now. Absolutely. And like, and there's an element of that where we, again, we don't let our guard down and say, oh, well, you know, there's grace, you know, that's, that's fine, like... Um, and so we do, I mean, we've, we've been called to, to live in a certain way with a certain, uh, set of priorities, a certain ambition, um, to, um, you know, live out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, so that being said, um, what I opened last yesterday with last week, yesterday with was Ephesians two, you know, um, I asked, what's the opposite of grace? 
Yeah. Because like in, in looking at it in the context of salvation, it's like by grace, you've been saved, not by works. This is not of your own doing, blah, blah, blah. And so like he, he not blah, 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 because the Bible's amazing and I'm not taken away from that. But, but, um, all that to say there, there, there's this juxtaposition going on there between grace and our own doing. Yeah. And, and thinking that our own doing is going to bring us into a, a perfection, um, it's really weird because like in Galatians, uh, Paul says, you know, you began by the spirit. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Yeah. You know, looking at the Judaizers and, and, uh, the circumcision party, which just sounds like a really bad party. I don't want to go to that party. But, um, so that being said though, uh, there is a, there is definitely a tension there because we definitely want to strive um, to grow, we want to strive to defeat, to be killing sin. You know, Absolutely. we want to, the mortification of the flesh. John Owen, great book. Be killing sinners, um, sin will be killing you. Exactly, um, but that is not what our righteousness is based on. Absolutely, that is that is what our righteousness produces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the cause and effect. is really important. You know, we don't work yeah. for our salvation; we work from our salvation. Mm-hmm. And if we're not working from our salvation, uh, I think it was uh, R.C. Sproul, you're, you're one of your boys. You love that dude. I do. I know you do, and. Uh, but he said, you know, if there's no sanctification, uh, there was no justification. Yeah. And so, um, which is, you know, R.C. Sproul is so good at, you know, soft peddling things. But uh, him, him and John MacArthur just write a book called Sensitivity. But yeah. um, anyways, wow. um, yeah, so uh, self-righteousness and perfectionism are both kind of uh, petals on the same flower. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, if, I'm, if my righteousness comes from myself, then I should be becoming perfect. Um, the problem is nobody does. Yeah. And so that whole theory is is flawed from the beginning. Uh, it's the wrong flower uh, to be to be looking at. It's, you know, not to get into the tulip, but, you know, um, there's there's we are. Uh, but again, the, the, but then on the other side of that, you know, there there are people out there who are from the reform camp. And I'll talk about the reform camp because I can talk about that because I'm that that's where I land um, theologically. But we look at total depravity and people act like that's still going on after you become a Christian. We're yeah. not depraved anymore. Yeah. Like we've been saved, we've been redeemed, we've been reconciled. Like so, why are we walking around, you know, just preaching and, and keeping our heads down like George Michael on Arrested Development when someone dumps him and he's walking along with that peanut song? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's I have like, no idea. What you're talking about. Uh, anyways, if you three people may know what I'm talking about, but um, that's how if we view ourselves like that, that's inevitably how we're going to view other people. Yeah. And so that actually colors the way that we that we interact with others. And like, yeah, total depravity, absolutely. Uh, and then you become a Christian. Now there's no condemnation. Now we have power over sin. We we have power over the over the the penalty of sin. You know, the penalty of sin's gone. The power of sin is gone. Yeah. The presence of sin will be gone when Christ comes back. And like that's the actual reality we live in. So all of that to say, that's where I land. Yeah. I feel like I just rambled a lot. Sorry. No, I think you did. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, there's, there is, I mean, it's an outcome of who you are. It is a, who we are produces an outcome. Um, so saying like our identity informs our activity, yeah, our identity informs our activity. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is a, it is a fruit carpas to quote a, a wise guy that is my roommate actually. Um, oh. it is, it is a outcome it is a fruit of who we are so our identity definitely informs our activity and mm-hmm. so um there's actually a uh, an account i follow on instagram uh called sword and pencil and 
he was talking about this idea of perfectionism. It was very timely. And he posted an East of Eden quote by John Steinbeck. Uh, oh, yes. It says, that now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Okay. Um, and so that, that, that concept of it's already been won for us. Sure. We've already been perfected by Christ. If we are in Christ and trusted Christ, we are made perfect and righteous in him. And so now that is true, we don't have this super heavy weight on us anymore. We can be freed up to mm. be obedient. We can yeah. be freed up to love and to to cherish all that God is and what he wants for us to do. And we, we can do all those things. Sure. Um, we're, it's this weird tension, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it, you, you said it. The Christian has to be okay with tension. And that's the tension that we live in. Since this pressure has been lifted us off of us, now we can freely move by the Spirit's power, growing in sanctification, and living a life of obedience and love. Well, think about as you were talking. I thought of I thought of a, a an interesting comparison. It's not a perfect one because there's no perfect comparison to salvation, or to to, to Christ saving us and give and the grace you know, but being saved by grace through faith, not a result of works. But like, so I think about like next week. Actually, um, I'll be celebrating my 13th wedding anniversary. Like, well, congrats! My marriage will be old enough. For puberty, like that's just that's that's or bar mitzvah or whatever. Um, I don't and, know. and I think I about, know. you know what? Just go with it. Um, <laughs> so, I met my wife in August of two thousand four. Yeah, I was crazy about her, like like just I was dating a girl when I met her, and like I bye bye. Like it, it didn't know I I know I I met the one, and eight months later we're engaged. Yeah, and then but we we couldn't get married until after she gra- uh, graduated from college. Um, and so that was the following August. So it was a little, it was a little over a year. Um, and like living during that time, you know, preparing for that and, and, and trying to, you know, keep meriting my wife's love, you know, I, Hey, I hope this, I hope this ends up at the wedding day, you know, because I'm kind of an idiot. And, and, and then when we got married, now I'm living as a husband, yeah, which is completely different than living as a boyfriend or a fiance. Yep. And, and the way I, the, the dynamics of our relationship and all of that, um, just totally changed. It just yeah. fundamentally changed. And now I'm not living to try to marry her. I'm living to try to honor her. Yeah. And so um, it just takes the pressure off too. Absolutely. Like where I'm like, I'm not every day waking up trying to figure out, you know, how, how am I going to keep this girl interested to marry her? Now it's, I'm still trying to keep her interested. Don't get me wrong. You don't, <laughs> you don't get married and then just get lazy. Yeah. That, that's how you, that's well, how some marriage, people do. Well, and that's how your marriage starts just being horrible. Yeah. But but it's it's a different kind of intention even behind it, um, and so like as 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 people who are trying to live in order to merit God's favor versus people who are living out of the 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 favor that they've that God has already given them, um, it just it fundamentally changes the way we look at it, and so um, it's, you know to your point of you know um, now that we don't have to worry about being perfect we can we can be good, you know. Um, it just takes it's a different kind of tension. Yeah. Like whereas the first one's kind of like pressure. And it's like, oh man, we just gotta we gotta make it to that day. And then once we do, now there's a there's a whole different I mean, there's different struggles, there's different challenges, there's different frustrations. Um and I, I say that, you know, having having been married for thirteen years now, um, and I don't I don't know what the what the future holds, but I know that the first thirteen years have been amazingly awesome and amazingly hard. Yeah. You get two sinners together, and and now and now you got twice as much sin. Uh, but if you're both Christians, you know there's also uh, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I don't know that 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 feels like a, 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 a maybe a helpful way to to think about 
you know, putting that quote into an everyday context. I'll allow it. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure. This has been the Glass City Church Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening, Jeff, and thank you for for taking time out of your busy schedule, your schedule, if you will. Always glad to. Yeah, excellent. Uh, please go like us on uh, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, subscribe to us on the iTunes and the I said the iTunes. It's right. like this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. iTunes and uh, there's other podcast apps. All that. Just go to our stuff. website. Go to the website. There's sermons on there. There's content galore. Uh, there's a cool video of that's really old of Jeff. It's super old. It's super. We, we need, need to make a new one. We need to make a new one. Yeah. Uh, please go check that out. Um, please don't forget to subscribe and to rate and comment on the podcast. Jeff, what's that uh, email that we can uh, be reached at for podcast ideas, questions, and topic? Yeah, if you've got ideas for, for what you want to hear us talk about, or if you got questions, or you have... Complaints? Yeah, you want to tell us how bad we are, or whatever. Um you can uh, you can email us at podcast at glasscitychurch.org and we will uh, we will read them. Perfect. Y'all have a good week. Hope this has been a blessing to you. You've been listening to the Glass City Church Podcast. For more content or more information about Glass City Church, visit our website at www.glasscitychurch.org.